You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here is your host, it's Mr. Carl Stebbings. Well, hello and welcome <laughs> to episode 64 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings, and joining me in my new kitchen studio this week this is, is Matt Smith. It is very exciting. Good morning, good morning. You, you've managed to find your way here. Yes, yes. So, ironically, I drive past it every day. He does. Yeah, I literally drive past it every Matt day. actually drives past my new house every single morning. Absolutely, and for many mornings I drove past it and still didn't know where you lived. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> At half past eight in the morning. Indeed, actually, yeah. yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah, so arriving from Lowestoft usually. No, yeah. So, yeah. So, you, so anyway, you're here, mm, and we're we in. We're yeah. in the new kitchen we studio. Are, yes, which is lovely. All this space. I can't. I know. With so it. much space. <laughs> it's good. It is. You could literally throw Poppy around in here if you wanted to. Yeah, she's not allowed out. <laughs> no. She's still. She's still she's, on uh, in quarantine yes. in, in the uh, spare room <laughs> uh, for at least yeah. another week. And uh, I can confirm, ladies and gentlemen, she's really enjoying it. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As all cats do when they are confined to, you know, the house. Oh no! But she can go out next week. Can she? Are yes. you actually going to let her We're going to let her out next week. Are you? Mm. Are you really? Yes, we are. We're going to let her out next week. I don't believe you. New cat flap going in, so she'll oh, be fine. Dear. So, we are here on the 13th of June. Indeed. It's a Saturday, yes. and it's just coming up to 20 to 11 in the morning. Indeed. Yes, it's a glorious not day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just commenting to myself on the way back here this morning in the van that mm. uh, I don't think um, Stuart will be flying your way today. Uh, no. Parachute plane? No, no I don't um, think. Well, I don't know. Mind you, you say that. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're jumping out of the aeroplane in the first place when there is clearly nothing wrong with it, you're not well. well. Uh, <laughs> the, the 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 cloud cover this yes. morning is fairly low. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, and do, does good. that affect? Very um, much so. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, no, not not so much the flying. I meant more. I mean, does that alter the experience that the um, parachutes, the psychopaths? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's not good to parachute. In is cloud, it not? No, right. you know, it's good to see where you're going. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, okay. So it, it's a bit it's a bit dismal outside this one. But it we're here, very much and so. there's yes. been loads of fairly interesting news stories happening mm. this week. You've got yes. to admit, Matt. You, I have. Yes. You yes. looked at the uh, news feeds. I emailed. I did. Last yes. One one in particular, which is coming up very early on in the show, was at one point Carl actually commented. Because I was, I, I it was like a, it was like a goldfish, wasn't it? I'm just sitting oh, there I, no. with, with a face like a goldfish. Open mouth. Believe what I was reading, but uh, anyway, and uh, we also have a top ten. Uh, yes. You'll be happy. Then. I know. Yes. So we're going to kick off the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Oh yes. Let's go. Kicking off this week's first news story on the Southern Daily Echo website. Local uh, one. A local one-ish, <laughs> yes. And, um, well, this is an interesting story, I must say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Flyby. Yeah, I should um, just stress, ladies and gentlemen, brace yourself for some horrific puns. <laughs> yeah, some puns will be coming in. <laughs> Flyby, one of our regional airlines here in the UK, uh, had to, one of their aircraft had to make a um, unscheduled landing. <laughs> and, oh, um, no. oh so, I can see what's coming up. Oh. <laughs> so the passengers couldn't believe oh. it when oh, they found out the what forced their Flyby <laughs> plane to make an unscheduled 
scheduled landing. The drama began when Flight 384 began experiencing trouble with instruments while airborne from Southampton to Dublin. Concerned for the safety of passengers, the pilot turned and made for a beeline for Southampton Airport. But back on the ground, um, the engineers were stunned to find the cause of the engine trouble was actually a tiny bumblebee. With the yellow and black bug removed from harm's way, the plane again took off safely, landing in Dublin after a two-hour delay. Following the landing, a passenger, Neil Rooney, contacted the Daily Echo. Mr. Rooney said, Well, that's never happened to me before. A bumblebee got stuck in the wind instrument thingy on flight flight BE384. Yes, Fly B. Uh. A Flyby spokesman uh, said Flyby can confirm that flight BE384 traveling to Dublin returned from an airborne uh, from airborne to Southampton following a suspected technical issue. The aircraft landed without instru- uh, incident and all passengers disembarked as normal. Upon inspection, Flyby engineers did discover that the cause of the issue was a bee that had become lodged in an item of instrumentation on the outside of the aircraft. That's probably a pitot tube. Ah, yes. yes. Measures airspeed and stuff airspeed, like that. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Now I am um, learning. Yes. <laughs> the flight, uh, the safety of all its passengers and crew is the airline's number one priority, and Flyby regretted any inconvenience experienced as a result of the delay to this flight. Now, the one thing that I'm sure all of our listeners are desperate to know the answer for, and they haven't covered it in this story, is was the bee all right? Yeah, I hope so, poor yeah, thing. I yeah, because bees are, you haven't got many bees in the country. They are endangered, Indeed. yeah. But yeah. no, but that is an important part of um, of, uh, of the aircraft. Mm. I mean, they, there are things called pitot covers, um, tube covers, which are kind of little um, caps that go on the end of these to stop mm. things crawling inside them. Right, okay. And um, that didn't work, essentially. Uh, well, it, they, it you take missing. them off. Oh, they, right. you, before you fly, you take them off. We have them on our the Cessna that I fly, I learned yes. to fly, and it's got a big red tag <coughs> hanging mm-hmm. off saying "Remove before ah, flight." Ah, right. Yes, yes. I've seen. Yeah. I've seen them. Yeah. Yes, I've got one in my van. Actually, have you? Yeah. Oh, oh, van, oh, yeah. You stole it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Given to as a present. It's an air show one. Oh, I see. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll move on from that story. Yeah. On. See, I'm amazed, I'm amazed because it's one. <laughs> I'm amazed that I mean, you could understand almost like a whole swarm of bees could cause absolute chaos, but. Um, just very surprised that one little lonely little bee could, could literally cause so much horrificness. I, I suppose it throws all the instruments out, doesn't it? You're not getting the right readings, readings or anything. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Indeed. Anyway, on to the next story. And this is the story <sighs> I alluded to earlier, which is, um, well, bizarre, I think, is the best way to dis- describe this. Uh, I'd be very interested to hear your feedback, I, I think, on, on this story. Uh, it's on the mail online. And... Um, well, there isn't really a headline to go with it. It's, uh, it's basically uh, a statement um, from a Ryanair pilot, I think is the best way to describe it, who said, uh, who starts the article with, Why are you still queuing like morons? Please locate your brains. Ryanair pilot mocks passengers on Facebook and posts tinfoil hat selfie, but keeps his job, which I think is very comforting for us all, I'm, I have no doubt. A Ryanair pilot is to keep his job despite reports he called passengers morons on Facebook and joked about uh, a Muslim. Uh, Ian Inglis from Edinburgh, oh, it's probably the same pilot I had then. <laughs> Ian Inglis from Edinburgh is said to have mocked customers who queued up to board the plane despite already having an allocated seat. He also posted a selfie from the cockpit uh, in which he was wearing a tinfoil uh, which is wearing a tinfoil in a joke about radiation. Um, 
Mr. English 31 went on to the social network and posted to all Ryanair passengers, you now have seat assignments, so why are you all still queuing like morons? Please locate your brains, the Daily Mirror reported. The paper also claims he joked about running away from a bearded man who he saw praying to Mecca and kissing the floor at Stansted. He posted the tinfoil hat selfie after a news report that flying at high altitudes exposes pilots to higher levels of radiation than on a sunbed. Uh, His account has since been taken down. Well, there's a surprise. Ryanair said it is not taking the action, not taking... Any action against uh, Mr. Inglis, a spokesman said, we don't comment on social media nonsense, nor do we comment on individuals. The pilot alleged comments come after Ryanair Chief Executive Michael O'Neary vowed the uh, the airline should stop unnecessarily um, peeing people off and treating customers like the enemy. Since his comments last year, Ryanair has rolled out a string of initiatives to win over flies, including allocated seating, new seats with more legroom, and improved in-flight meals. Last month, the firm reported net profits up by 66% to £614 million, with air traffic increasing by 11% to 90.6 million customers in 2014. On Sunday, model Kate Moss was escorted from a plane run by Ryanair's rival EasyJet after the the budget airline reportedly ran out of the sandwiches she wanted. Well, there's there's an interesting insight into celebrity life, isn't it? Mm, I did. Who'd have that thought story. that Kate Moss would be eating a Ryanair sandwich? Who thought she'd be flying Ryanair? Well, there is that. Yes, yes. yes. Although <laughs> she she probably did buy a Business Plus ticket, so she probably had um, the extra leg room seat. Is that the ones at the front? Yeah, yeah over the <laughs> wing exits and stuff yeah, at the front. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bizarre story, isn't it? I I don't understand why uh, anyone thinks. I mean, it's, I mean, I work with people all day, every day. I was working last night, and if I, if I, if my boss ever found out that I called any one of my passengers, even the children, um, <laughs> if I'd called any of them a moron, I, well, I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have a job. I mean, <laughs> is there that much of a shortage of pilots that that they can't afford to sort of do? I, I don't know. This this man is. Clearly not well. <laughs> no, it's just, it, you, it's just, I mean, there's a whole list of things there that should never have been said. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's just... But why would you go... I mean, it's fair... Whatever your personal opinion is... What happens on the flight deck stays on the flight yes, deck. Yes, that's fine. But why would you but put why it on put Facebook? Like, exactly. <laughs> I know. You know, it's just fine. And I do agree with him to a point. I mean, there is this mad scramble, isn't there? As soon as the gate number is reported, everybody sprints at 90 million miles an hour to the to the gate. And you think, well, what's the point? Because you've got an allocated seat now. So as long as you get there, mm. as long as you're there. But then you see, we are quintessentially, quintessentially very English, English aren't yeah. we? Uh, People or, do. Or British. People and do, we, though. We do do a queue mm. very well, it has to wow. be said. <laughs> we do. We do. It's, a, it's always uniform. It's always in line. You know, <laughs> I, I have a golden rule when I disembark mm. from an aircraft, yes. wherever I'm going, mm-hmm. that um, I sit in the seat and I don't move until everyone's got off. Right. Because it's, it, it, you know what it's like when you, you know, the, the aircraft is barely, barely put the reverse yes. thrusters yeah. back in <laughs> on the runway and you can hear this click, 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 as all seat the seatbelts coming off. off. Yes. You yeah. know, the signs are still lit up, but everyone's taking a seat. Mm. And then soon as, not even, you know, it's nearly at the stand and there's people starting to stand up and open mm. overhead lockers mm. and get the stuff out and that, you know. Mm. And I, I just, I just sit there and, quietly laughed myself and think <laughs> I'm going to get up after all you lot have got off and 
you know, you know, just gently get my bag out and walk off the plane with mm. no hindrance or anyone getting in my way. Well, yes, I, I, there is that. I, I was also, because the flight that I was on was very late, um, I had a train to catch. So I had to kind of do exactly the opposite to that when I went last time because I needed to desperately get off the plane and out because you don't know how long it's going to take to get through security and things like that. Normally not very long if it's domestic. So it was, uh, it was in my case, it was more to try and make the train. <laughs> yeah, if, I mean, if you've got a connect and fly, you obviously can't hang about. Yeah. But, you know, generally for, for, for most people, your, your, your only mission is to get your bag mm. from baggage reclaim and get your car and go home. Mm, and normally, by the time I get off, my bag is coming around the carousel. Well, yes. No waiting. Yeah, no waiting. Love it's it. there and you're away probably much sooner than those that have actually yeah, the killed time. themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. Oh, I, I see the uh, low-budget carriers are having a good week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Next story. Moving on. Another another uh, interesting story on mm. the mirrorwebsite.co.uk. And uh, nurse, the headline, nurse's holiday ruined by EasyJet who charged her a... Whopping £2,200 in a luggage blunder. How much? (laughs) (laughs) After working 60-hour weeks, Joe Bookleff Brown joined friends for a few days in Crete for her first holiday abroad in 11 years. Uh, The nurse uh, who was having her first holiday, uh, which was ruined uh, when EasyJet charged her £2,200 in error. After working her 60-hour weeks, uh, she'd uh, joined her friends, but when she got home, she found the airline had plundered all her money, leaving her unable to afford food or the petrol to get to work, from racking up expensive bank charges by the day. Instead of charging €55 to check in uh, hand baggage uh, or hand luggage, the budget carrier carrier billed uh, Joe for 55 suitcases. What? Uh, Despite being told before the cash left her account, EasyJet took it and said it would take up to seven working days to refund, leaving her skint. Jo, 49, from Plymouth here in the UK, said that she'd flown out with the same bag four days earlier and there'd been no problem. But as uh, I was waiting to board to come home, I was told I'd have to check the bag in. When I arrived back, I checked my bank account and more than £2,000 was pending to EasyJet. When I called them, they said they'd change or charge me by accident. All my bank needed was a fax from EasyJet to say it was their mistake and the money would have been stopped, but they refused. They said they don't send faxes. <laughs> now they've cleared out everything, all of my money and all of my overdraft, I can't afford anything. Accidents happen, but EasyJet's attitude to it, you'll have to wait a week to get it back, um, what we shouldn't have taken, this has been awful. Mm. Um, after being contacted by the Mirror, EasyJet, which made a seven million pre-tax profit during the six months to the end of March, told us they had paid the cash back. But Joe was told she would still have to wait between five and seven working days while it processed or was processed by her bank. She said, "I will have to run up uh, a credit card bill tomorrow to borrow and borrow from friends just to survive until EasyJet sort this out." I do keep uh, or do bookkeeping, and you can pay people digitally in an hour, but not apparently if you're e- uh, you are EasyJet. An EasyJet spokesman said EasyJet would like to sincerely apologise to Mrs. Bookleff Brown for the inconvenience caused by this genuine error. Now, Matt, you've mm. got to agree with me when you when you do a bank transfer. Yes. 
if I'm to pay you, if I'm to mm. pay you some money into your bank mm. uh, or via PayPal or yes. however you wish yeah. to do it, mm-hmm. if I'd done it now, it would be in your bank. In your bank, probably now. Mm. Yes, no, it, it would. Yes, it was certainly within five minutes. Yes. Um, so why can Why is it? Why does it work fast one way, there, but not the other? There are. Well, without going into too much detail, and I'm sure uh, listeners will correct me if I am wrong. Ugh, sorry, just, just, just knocking the, the microphone studio. over. I'm so sorry. Um, there are there are grey areas um, because larger companies tend to use what they call a backs clearance service, which is the bank automated clearance service, and that's much much slower than the instant um, system that you or I tend to use as sort of personal customers. Um, and if you are a much, if you are a large company like this, where you're where you're sending, you know, obviously money's going backwards and forwards all the time. Um, there, there are probably, to be fair to to EasyJet, there will be rules about how they can do that. That having been said, in an in unusual situation like this, like this, like this, you know, I, I appreciate you know because. The the thing is, when it's a big company like that, there'll be a big, there'll be, um, you know, they'll have a large accounting program that that deals with the way that the money is sent out, and that and that protocol has to be followed. I I, I get that, but when you are literally leaving somebody with no money at all mm-hmm. uh, through an error that is entirely your fault, I mean, it is just it's just a key press that's gone wrong, isn't it? They put fifty five in the wrong box, haven't they? Yeah. So it's fifty five suitcases instead of one case at fifty five pounds, <laughs> essentially. So so that's fine. Um, you know, mistakes do happen. But when it's clearly their fault, uh, I don't think giving the money back is enough, frankly. Mm. Oh, I yeah. think that any uh, credit card charges or anything like that mm. uh, that she will have no doubt accrued. I mean, you know, I, I feel her pain very much on the bank charges side of things. I know I know what it's like. Mm. And, uh, you know, she shouldn't be out of pocket for those at all. I think I, don't I think, think a free I th- flight. Well, or free flight or something. Um, mm, you know, yeah. if nothing else, you know, the money that she will have been inconvenienced by, because um, it will have she will have been charged if she's used her overdraft. She will be charged if she has to use mm. buying groceries on credit cards and things like that. But do we, all we, sorts of weird things to your credit file. I mean, there will be substantial damage to her. <laughs> Yeah, to yes. her, you know, and, and she needs to be compensated for that. So I'm sorry, EasyJet, just giving her her money back is not enough. I don't think. No. But we, anyway. we, we've covered stories in the past, though, Matt, mm. with airlines that, that have, you know, given passengers flights and, yes. and money yeah. and yeah, stuff Virgin, like that. Virgin, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, it, they're yeah. all airlines. They all do the yeah. same job. Mm. Um, they should all follow. I mean, they all have they do have rules mm. to follow in respect to, to well like and, and also i mean you know, i use um let's say talk talk as an example um you know it's a large company they can't give it's very difficult for them to give you money but they can give you offers but they can give yes. you offers yes. or they can give you one month free or they mm. can you know do mm. something like that so i appreciate you know if there's been a clerical error it you know the easy bit is to give them money back but she you, she she could have been compensated in other ways yeah um so i'm sorry easy chat i think you need to pull your finger out yes Indeed. Next story for you. Next story. And it's uh, sticking with the budget carrier. Uh, this is another <laughs> Ryanair story. This is on the Travel Mole website, Re- Travel Mole website, and it's uh, the headline is Ryanair still not the friendly face of travel, say, agents. Oh. Uh, Ryanair might be making record profits, but it still hasn't won over travel agents. A recent Travel Mole poll found that uh, despite the airline's ongoing charm offensive launched in response to falling growth in pa- passenger numbers, it has some way to go to undo wrongs committed in the past. When agents were asked by Travel Mole if Ryanair was now the friendly airline, almost 69% said no. It was recently lowered 
Uh, it has recently lowered some of its hated customer charges, started selling on GDS systems, increased its carry-on al- luggage allowance, and made a number of other cons- cons- uh, That's not even it's too early. I can't say that word. Made some <laughs> other changes and moves towards passengers, including introducing allocated seating at uh, to the end to end the bun fight when it comes to boarding. However. Perhaps it is now it needs to turn its attention to wooing travel agents. Now, I don't agree, personally, because the I, I would have assumed that the majority of people who were booking with Ryanair were making their own arrangements because they were going somewhere, you know, like they're going to visit their auntie in Ireland or, they, mm. they you know, um, you, you're going on a holiday or, I mean, there's... There are travel agents that use them. I think um, I think uh, one one company called On the Beach, for example, because yeah, Mum no, does a lot of her holidays mm. uh, through On the Beach, and they do do you do use Ryanair and EasyJet and that. But um, you know, they tend to be in the form of um, vouchers, if you mm. see what I mean. So you buy the flight at a certain price, and I presume there's a you know a travel agent involved. But um, you know, it's really. I mean, I'm kind of with Ryanair on that one. It's uh, you know, their focus should be on you and I who are booking their flights directly. You know, but uh, ah, mm, there we go. Indeed, <laughs> that's not the. Uh, I think I not think, quite the exciting end to the story. No, I, think I know. You were hoping, but <laughs> but what I will say is though, <clears> that, that you know, Ryanair, as much as we do badger them a bit on the mm. show and stuff, you know, they wouldn't be as big as they are now if they no. didn't do a. Half decent job. Well, it, it is. It mm. is cattle class. There's no yeah. way of. There's no other way of, of wording it. It's got no frills and no luxuries. But we are still. We are all using them. Oh, because, yeah. because it's a very efficient. Well, I mean, as I say, I, I said before, wasn't it? 190 quid for me to go to Edinburgh. Well, to, to go to this place where I was mm. um, in uh, Kenmore, sorry. Um, and it was cheaper for me to fly with Ryanair at 69 pound return from Stansted to. Ooh. To um, cheap, cheap, cheap. to to Edinburgh, and then sort of thirty five pounds for my hire car mm. to get from there to mm. Kenmore, which admittedly was another couple of hours away. And I'm still I've done all of that, uh, even put fuel in the car, and I still have a massive amounts of tra- you know change from if I'd gone on the train. Exactly. So and that's yeah. where they're winning over, isn't it? And flying's better. And f- yes, yes, flying, flying is flying obviously is better. better. Yes. <laughs> he says yes. Although not today, with the weather like it uh, is. No, 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 indeed. Yes, so grounded. Ne- exactly. So <laughs> next story, uh, ETN Global Travel Industry News. Sign mm-hmm. this one. And um, Heathrow, we covered uh, Vietnam Airlines a few episodes back with their um, 787-9 mm. Dreamliner with a lovely blue um, livery on. Blue. And uh, Heathrow, yes, the headline is Heathrow primary destination for Vietnam Airlines for their new 787-9 Dreamliner. Nice. So Vietnam's national carrier, Vietnam Airlines, has confirmed that uh, the first of its new Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners has completed its maiden test flight. The newly painted aircraft was flown by a Boeing aircrew, which checked all of the aircraft systems during the two-hour, 36-minute flight. The aircraft will undergo several more tests and a customer flight before being delivered to Vietnam Airlines. As it rolls out, a major fleet upgrade including a total of 19 787s and 14 A350-900 XWBs, uh, the first of which has also flown at Toulouse, Vietnam Airlines will become the initial airline in Asia to operate both Boeing and Airbus, latest generation aircraft at the same time. 
The Sky Team member will also be the first carrier to operate the 787-9 non-stop between South Asia and Europe. Although no actual introduction date has been confirmed as yet, Heathrow becomes the primary international destination on the Vietnam Airlines network to be served by the new aircraft. Frequencies will rise from four flights to six flights per week, alternating daily, between Heathrow and Hanoi, or Ho Chi Minh City, following the deployment of the Dreamliner, and for the summer 2016, the service is going to be daily. Vietnam Airlines will introduce its new livery, corporate identity and brand image to coincide with the introduction of the 787 fleet. Now, we was, before we um, started recording today, mm. I was just showing Matt um, a video uh, which has been going around the aviation media sites over the last few days of um, a 787-9 Vietnam Airlines Dreamliner doing a rather oh, vertical yes. takeoff. Yes, that is quite scary. Um, <laughs> I think I'm fairly sure this video was on our, it might, I think it was on our Facebook page at some point. Uh, somewhere, mm. um, but if you search on the uh, on YouTube, you can f- see the video. It's uh, it's a Boeing seven eight seven dash nine, as I said, Vietnam Airlines, and uh, Boeing were doing a uh, kind of promotional video, mm. and it's a top down view camera angle cool. of the uh, Dreamliner taking off on a test flight with no uh, passengers yeah, yeah. on board. So you should stress it was empty. It was it empty, yeah. yeah, and it does a almost vertical takeoff into yes. the sky and it is a stunning stunning Carlos will see. post it to the Facebook feed yeah. uh, while, while I read the next story out. But it is shall. it is very much worth worth looking at uh, yeah. it was uh, just looking at uh, Vietnam Airways it just just uh, out of sheer curiosity formed in or founded in 1956 Ooh. as Vietnam Civil Aviation and uh, a fleet size of 89 planes currently uh, with 52 destinations in their current um, portfolio 21 domestic 28 international and three charter slash seasonal flights um, but uh, company slogan being bringing vietnam culture to the world and i do i have to stress that their new their new um, paint job the living mm. on there is yeah. stunning it, it really is, is stunning. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, well it seems um Seems a very appropriate colour for the Dreamliner, doesn't it, really? Definitely, yeah. It does, yes. Anyway, whilst... Sorry, that was me just loading a video up there. Hello, what? (laughs) Sorry for your ear. I probably just shocked everyone in the entire world there on podcast world. There will be people who are listening in their cars, driving off the road. Yes, sorry, apologies. Right, I'm just posting that video to Facebook now. Oh, good news, everyone. Yes. <laughs> right, well, while well, Carl goes and have a lie down after that, yeah. uh, next story, this is on the Business Traveller website, and the headline is BA app to feature Apple Pay. Now, if you're a geek like me, you were no doubt watching the Apple announcement um, that was on a few days ago, and uh, they announced also, along with Apple Pay, they also announced that there's a new sort of Spotify rival as well, for those that didn't know. But uh, anyway, British Airways passengers will soon be able to pay for flights using Apple Pay. The carrier today confirmed it will offer Apple's upcoming mobile payment facility within its app, uh, and it'll work on the iPhone 6, iPhone 6 Plus, and the Apple Watch devices. BA said Apple Pay users will continue to receive all of the rewards and benefits offered by credit and debit cards. Kevin um, Kevin McGuillan, head of BA, said that we're excited that we'll be one of the first UK companies to introduce Apple Pay, making booking flights even easier. The addition of Apple Pay, along with the recent launch 
of our app for Apple Watch, mobile gate notifications at Heathrow, and our digital digital executive club membership card are just a few of the ways in which we are hoping to uh, help it. We're hoping to help our customers by putting more travel essentials at their fingertips. Apple Pay will be launched in the UK in July. It works by assigning an encrypted unique device account number, then a debit or credit card is added instead of the card number. Each transaction is authorized with a one-time security code instead of using the security code on the back of a credit card. In March, Avios unveiled a loyalty program app for the new Apple Watch device. Now, well, I'm very surprised because, I mean, Google Wallet, which is the equivalent. Which I have, yeah. Which I have and I've used for many, many years. Um, I'm very surprised that nobody else has sort of, um, I'm surprised that everybody's jumping on the bandwagon of Apple when there have been these wallet services by, you know, by a reputable company um, in, in the case of Google. So I'm surprised that this is such big news, to be frank. It's just it's this Apple Pay thing. Is that going to be a similar? Is that a similar thing to PayPal kind of thing? It's it's exactly the exactly same as Google. What is exactly the same as Google Wallet? Essentially, um, you know, I, I don't I don't understand what all the fuss is about, frankly. And knowing Apple, it will probably break when they do another update, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and it'll it'll go terribly oh, wrong, no doubt. But yeah, uh, there yeah. we are, because they they don't have the best um, reputation for first to market um, problems, shall we say? <laughs> No, <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll keep our eyes on the app. Indeed, I, yes. I won't because I haven't got an iPhone. No, but, me neither. Um, but um, I'm an Android man, like indeed, you. Indeed, yes, yes. Next story then: business traveller site. This one, and um, this covers an airline we uh, talked about a moment ago, who had mm. some buzzing problems. Oh, and <laughs> still going on with the pass. I know. <laughs> Emirates and uh, Flybee sign a code share deal. Ah. Uh, the deal, which is expected to take effect next month, will see the Gulf Airlines EK code added uh, to 25 flyby routes in the UK. Subject to regulatory approval, the move will add 13 new destinations, including Edinburgh, Aberdeen and Newquay, to the Emirates network. Mm-hmm. All flyby flights will connect their Emirates services to Dubai from the latter's Manchester, Glasgow and Birmingham gateways. Emirates passengers travelling on Flybill will have the same luggage allowance they are entitled to on Emirates and will receive boarding passes on check-in at their first international departure point for connecting international services. Thierry Antoine, Air Emirates Executive Vice President and CCO, said Emirates already offers 16 daily services from the UK to Dubai with another daily service flying from Birmingham from the beginning of August. Together with Flybe, we're taking more and more people to places and opening up new UK destinations to people around the world. Flybe CCO Paul Simmons added, This new code share agreement allows us to give our UK customers convenient, seamless access to Dubai and onwards to their rest of the world through our extensive regional route network, direct from their local airport. Last week, uh, Emirates signed a co-chair agreement with France's national railway company, SNCF. So, another string to Emirates' massive bow. Mm. It's probably more better news for Flybe, perhaps, than yeah, Emirates. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, it's, I tell you, it's amazing when you see things like this, because Emirates are huge. I mm, mean, they're, they're one yeah. of the, the, the global biggest airlines, mm. and, you know, fleet size and stuff. 
And, you know, they've signed his co-chair deal with Flybee. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Aww. Tiny. Yeah. yeah. Tiny crew. Tiny crew. Yes. <laughs> well, it's good. Tiny it's little good prop plane. Exactly. I know. <laughs> I guess I might be a bit disappointed if I book this flight to Dubai not realising and you get on this tiny little two-wing prop. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think that would get there. <laughs> no, it's good news. It's good it news. is good news. Anyway, on to the next story. And this is on uh, a website called Anna Aero. And the headline is EasyJet launches 10 new routes, including the first to Tunisia. Uh, EasyJet launched 10 new routes this week, starting on the 2nd of June, with new services between Newcastle and Split. Uh, The new route will operate twice weekly on Tuesdays and Saturdays using uh, an A319 or A319. Uh, The new city pairs vary in length, with the shortest being the new 756km route between Geneva and... uh, Is it Figari? Figari? Figure, figure. Oh, Figari. Figari, yeah, Figari. yes. yes. Uh, while the longest is the 3,059-kilometre sector between Newcastle and Rhodes. Of the new routes, three will face direct competition um, according to OAG Schedules Analyzer data. Of particular note, it is the airline's first-ever route to Tunisia mm. with London Stansted now connected to Mon- Monastir. Monastir. With, yeah. with mm. twice-weekly flights. This is EasyJet's first new route from Stansted since February 2013 when it launched flights to Marrakesh, uh, Sofia and Sharm el-Sheikh. Now, I've actually been to Sharm el-Sheikh with EasyJet. Yeah, and it was a very nice plane that it had. It's actually, you've, you've got the list there in front of you, what, um, what aircraft they're using on these particular... Uh... Indeed, yes. So London Stansted to Monastir. Um, they're using a couple of A319s. Um, or Is it A319 or A3, A319? A319. A319s. You, yes, you can say one nice. You can say one all right. Okay, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, at Newcastle to Split and Row... Uh, Newcastle to Split is using the A319. Uh, Newcastle to Rhodes is using an A320. Um, what's this? Com- oh, competition on oh, that got route. Competition. You've got competition with yeah. Thomas uh, Thompson Airways, uh, Jet2 and Thomas Cook Airlines. Oh, mm. blimey. So they've got quite quite, quite competition. big competition there. Yeah. Uh, Porto to Luxembourg, that's an A320. Um, obviously, they've got competition with Luxair and TAP Portugal. Uh, Port- uh, Porto to Stuttgart, uh, that's an A320 as well. No competition on that particular route. Geneva to F- Fijari, uh, that's an A320. Uh, and then Geneva to Pal. Pal- oh, I'm really terrible with these place names, aren't I? Pal- Palermo. Palermo, that's yes. it. Yes, that's an A319. Uh, and Geneva to Santor- Santorini. Oh, that's, cool. an that's one of Gemma's favourite destinations. What, Santorini? She'd love to go there. Oh, would she? Really? Yes. yes. You don't let her, presumably. No. No, no indeed. <laughs> if it hasn't got Malta in the title, you're not interested, are you? No. <laughs> but uh, they have a lot of competition on that. That's uh, Thompson uh, Airways, uh, Jet2 and Thomas Cook again competing on that route. Newcastle to Corfu um, is also the A320. And then Rome to uh, Santiago, uh, that's an A319 as well. So exciting news then, really. More, more routes, more routes, and one of those, the Monastere one. Mm. I've, I went on many years ago. In Monastere, oh, yes, yeah. yes. When I was a when I was a wee child, really. What when God was a boy? Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that long ago. <laughs> Next story, Indeed. and uh, Eastern Daily Press. Oh, this one, our local the rag, good, yes. the good old EDP. Yes, and um, this is actually we covered nice photo, we covered actually. this story um, not too long ago. No, actually, no. 
And uh, air, the headline is Airline Grounds Route to Wales only two months after taking off uh, in Norwich. Oh, that's a shame. Um, a new air link between Norwich to Cardiff is to be grounded by airline chiefs barely two months after takeoff. Operator Lynx Air uh, said it was ending flights between the two cities at the end of this month. But one passenger due to fly tomorrow said his flight had already been cancelled. Bosses at Norwich International Airport said they were disappointed at the closure of the route, which only began operating on April the 20th. Roger Hay, commercial manager at Lynx Air, said because the airline was publicly uh, subsidised for its uh, Anglesey Cardiff route under law, it had to ensure all other routes were profitable. We were treading the fine line, uh, fine wire to make this work, and it was worth a try, said Mr. Haig, but we had to break even in the next four weeks, and we haven't. The airline has transported about 700 customers so far and would have needed around 1,000 to break even. Richard Pace, the airport's operations director and general manager, said we are disappointed that the route is ceasing to run. We know there is a need for an east-west link among Norwich passengers. John Shaw from Drayton had booked flights to Cardiff for today, um, mm. but discovered out of the blue that the route had been cancelled just days before. Now, this is a this is rather sad, really, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's one of the it's a route that was added on to our our local regional yeah. airport here, in Norwich, um, and you know, it, it's not it, obviously you know they've not got the passenger numbers they wanted to break mm. even, so they're. They're pulling the route. I mean, the, the very fact that they've uh, in two months they've travelled that you know they've taken over seven hundred passengers it sort of suggests that there is a, a, an interest uh, in flying from Norwich mm. to to Cardiff, but just not the numbers they were hoping for. No, it's a shame. It is a shame because um, well, Cardiff and well Wales in general is a a wonderful part of the world, and uh, as we know, it's much much easier to go by plane than it is any other way to get to these oh, places, especially. When you're talking the other the other side of the country, literally. Mm. But, uh, anyway, on to the next story. This is the Reuters website. And the headline is Virgin Atlantic could expand fleet in deals uh, to replace the 747s. Virgin Atlantic plans to decide within six months on how to replace seven Boeing 747s. It flies from London's Gatwick Airport and could expand its overall fleet in the process, the British airline chief executive said on Thursday. The options we are most serious about are the Airbus uh, A350, the Boeing 787-10 and the Boeing uh, 777-300ER jets. Those are the are the aircraft aircraft we are most likely to choose, CEO Craig Krieger said uh, in an interview ahead of the airline's formal launch of a service between London and Detroit. When Virgin Atlantic decides, he said the order will be a will be replacement plus. Krieger also uh, told a conference in November that Virgin would decide on the fleet plan within the next nine months, implying a decision by the end of August. Virgin Atlantic has 39 planes and is it is renewing its fleet after returning to profitability last year. Virgin has ordered 17 Boeing 787s as part of that process. Virgin is still deferring a decision on whether to take six Airbus A380 jumbo jets, Krieger said. We have not yet concluded that we have enough markets that are big enough to make the A380 make sense, Krieger said. Virgin is discussing options with Airbus and will continue to evaluate the A380 order. Virgin's service to Detroit is part of a broader expansion of the airline's transatlantic service in collaboration with US airline Delta Airlines. 
which owns a 49% stake. Virgin has shifted more planes to transatlantic routes this year after shutting down services between other destinations including Mumbai, Vancouver, British Columbia and Cape Town in South Africa. The expansion of capacity between Britain and the United States is putting pressure on yields, revenue per passenger per mile flown, Krieger said. Overall, he said, the shift is good for Virgin because the the transatlantic flights replace service to markets which were doing very poorly. Krieger said Virgin is very confident that it can compete with IAG, the owner of British Airways. If IAG gains control of Irish carrier Aer Lingus, however, Krieger said uh, Virgin would encourage the EU to assure that Virgin can continue to stream passengers from Aer Lingus flights on a low-cost, easy-connection basis. I'm surprised, you know, that Virgin hasn't snapped up the A380 yet. I mm. mean, I thought they would have they would have at least had one yeah. to see, you know, to see what the... The um, trouble is you can't really just have one, can you? No. Because you, you, need, you need a backup, don't you? you mm. I mean, you've got to have another one to... To sort of get, I, I don't know. I, as it says, though, the, the the routes that they're currently covering, and they are now in profit again, which is obviously it's great good. news. Yeah. It's excellent news. Um, but uh, if the routes aren't uh, getting the demand, perhaps uh, to warrant trying to fill an A380, if the demand isn't there yet, um, then I, I well, it, it does make sense to sort of hold off and, until you you do have routes that that need it. Mm. I've I've been listening this week to a lot of the other great aviation podcasts mm-hmm. that I listen good, to good. each yes. week, and uh, a lot of the lot of the shows and that, and uh, they're all saying the same thing: is mm. that, that uh, a lot of airlines now are, are phasing or getting rid of their four-engined aircraft. Right. Four engines becoming is becoming sort of a um, overkill. Uh, yeah, mm. um, you know, with all the Dreamliners coming out, obviously twin-engined aircraft mm. like the Dreamliner, the A three fifteen, the new XWB. Mm. Airbus and and that, you know the, a lot of aircraft tr- saving money. You know, there's mm. two less engines to to run to run emissions uh, yeah. because yeah. obviously emissions are a big thing. Yeah. And all about carbon footprint. Yeah, and and, and a lot of airlines are, are choosing to to buy the uh, the Dreamliner mm. um, over buying a four engine aircraft such as a three eighty. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what Virgin do with um you know with with their, their discussions with Airbus mm. as well, to whether they will know. ever have a three eighty. I mean, in the Virgin Gully. However, however you dress it up, I mean, Richard Branson is a very astute man, and I'm yes. very sure that all, all options will be looked at. Um, but he's not afraid of spending a bit of money if necessary, is he? That's the great thing. He's, he is a sort of speculate to accumulate kind of guy, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he does seem like a nice... It would be good to have him on the show, wouldn't it? It would, wouldn't it? it yeah, would, it would yeah. be great. Next story then on the Travel Mole website, and airlines to shrink hand luggage allowance. Now, mm. this is something that... Uh, you you spoke about it before we started recording. Yes, yes, I spotted it on the old uh, on on the old news a couple of days ago. It's um, myself and mother were discussing it because mum mum bought a case specifically to allow for the most amount of room, if you like, to go mm. into the allowance. It'd be interesting to see um, how much of an impact it'll have. Really, how much you're losing, if you like, mm. with it, with the uh, with how this story pans out. So the uh, the story is passengers could be faced with tighter hand luggage restrictions in future as airlines have agreed a new optimum size for carry-on bags, which is smaller than most carriers currently allow. Measuring a maximum of, grab your pens and paper, mm. 55 by 35 by 20 centimetres, the new recommended bag size is smaller even than the currently allowed by Ryanair. 
the stingiest of the UK airlines. What a shock. Which gives a maximum hand luggage allowance of 55 by 40 by 20. British Airways and EasyJet uh, allow larger bags um, measuring up to 56 by 45 by 25. And Version allows passengers to take bags measuring 56 by 36 by 23. The International Air Transport Association says the smaller bag should allow every passenger's space to be stored um, or store their hand luggage on board. Um, aircraft of 120 seats or larger. At the moment, those who are last to board often find there is no space left for their bags and are forced to put them in the hold. Mm. Luggage manufacturers have started creating bags to fit the new guidelines and these will bear the new IATA, I-A-T-A, mm. cabin OK tag from later this year. IATA stressed that the proposals were guidelines and that airlines were free to set their own limits uh, for carry-on bags. However, eight carriers have already said they intend to introduce the new allowance, and they include Air China, Cathay Pacific, Emirates, Lufthansa and Qatar. The development of an agreed optimal bag cabin size will bring common sense in order to the, of, to the problem of differing sizes for carry-on bags. We know the current situation can be frustrating for passengers. Yes, it is. Mm. Uh, this work will help iron out the inconsist- uh, inconsistencies that lead to uh, an improved passenger experience, said Tom Windmuller, I- IATA's Senior Vice President for Airport Passenger Cargo and Security. Mm. Now, I mean, uh, you've flown with Ryanair a thousand times. Yes. And, you know, they, they rigidly check the size of yeah. their bags. I, and coming home, I had a bit of a problem in the fact that they were insisting um, that I had exactly that, where they were insisting that my, my bag went in the hold and I had to get very stroppy with the lady <laughs> to stop yeah, her from I mean, making me. I'm not normally a difficult passenger. I know, I'm normally very obedient. I do as I told, I'm told and that. But on in my, in my bag... Um, were my USB mixer Ooh. and all these other bits and pieces and Carvel film I paid on, yeah. on that front. You did the send me message actually. I, I did. I yeah. sent you a picture, didn't I? And because and, 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 I was, I was, I was supplying uh, an outside PA as well. Some of which, uh, which my mixer I'd taken with me, obviously to plug all the microphones and everything all into. And uh, it's worth a few quid. And there was no way that that was going in the hold, basically. Uh, along with also on a hard drive that I had. Um, uh, was the wedding video. Uh, and so there's no way yeah. that that's going anywhere near a baggage handler, handler who are very notorious. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure they'll take great care of my bag, not. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, and I, I had to be unusually difficult with her and sort of say, are you going to explain to the bride that the hard drive that all the video is on was destroyed? Mm. And my mixer was, you know, th- you know, 300 quid's worth of mixer was destroyed. You know, I said, if you want to give me a bag that I can put these items in, then my clothes can happily go in the hold. <laughs> but, uh, it, 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 when a situation like that, you've mm. got to be... You've got yeah, to be a bit stern. And I'm not yeah. normally like that, but it's just no. that I, I thought, there's no way I'm letting that hard drive out of my sight. The thing is, you've got all these... If they you know bring this in mm. and it is a standard across the aviation industry, you've got mm. all these people, including me, who have got specific specific size, size yeah. hand yeah. luggage bags yeah. that my we all know. The same. Yeah. yeah. And what are we supposed to do with these bags? Well, I burn them, you know, <laughs> sleep in them, or well, eat them, or something. No. You know, it's, you it is. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, you know, I think it's. Hmm. You know, I, I see the point though, because you do find, especially when you're travelling with the low cost carriers, yeah. that you know, if you're the last one on, mm. your bag ain't going to be above your head. No, it's no. going to be somewhere other else. elsewhere on the plane. 
I, I'm not really sure that by only shaving five centimetres, because that's essentially the change we're looking about roughly, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're only looking about a, a size change from 55 by 40 to 55 to 35, mm. isn't it? Or, or whichever way around it was. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think five centimetres is going to make that much difference. It's not going to mean that everybody's bag can go in the locker still. So there are still people. It will mean that less people have to have put put stuff underneath mm. but then i never really understood why they suddenly allowed you to take another small bag because the mm. rule always used to be that your <laughs> yeah. handbag had to go into your hand luggage so if, if like mum so she'd have a case but her handbag had to fit into um that as well so uh, you know and then they relaxed that so that you didn't have to do that because you used to if you if you bought say duty free in the shop because you bought gin or whatever you know to to bring mm. home so if you bought a bottle of something to bring home that had to fit into your hand luggage you weren't allowed to take this extra bag so surely common sense would have suggested that maybe if they didn't do that and left it as it was you wouldn't then have to be changing everyone's sizes mm. i don't know it's just just sounds like but somebody's you, you, making you, lots of money somewhere i, I str- still strongly <laughs> be when you stand in the queue sometimes some people do have these huge they do, hand yeah. bags. and you watch them cramming them into and, the yeah <laughs> and, and they, they're blatantly huge and mm. they're bulging around the yeah. seams <laughs> of stuff and one of the ones i hate are those those hard shell cases i i just don't uh, like them i quite like them for protecting what's inside yeah i just think they're <laughs> oh, just bulky and mm, yeah yeah but that's just me that's just it me. is yes, yes. right so moving on to our last part Indeed. of news Indeed, and it is a top 10 which Ooh. is good news uh, and it's just uh, i'm not quite sure uh, if there's any specific reason carlos has chosen this story <laughs> this week um but the headline is uh, rather un- un- a rather distressing one, which is the top 10 most dangerous places in the world you can fly to from Gatwick Airport. <laughs> so when planning a summer holiday, most of us want to go somewhere relaxing and at the very least somewhere safe. But for anyone who prefers to live life on the edge, there is a surprising number of high destinations you can fly to direct from Gatwick, where you might find yourself in a lot more trouble than you'd bargain for. So, (laughs) if you're ready then, (laughs) in at number 10. So, at number 10, uh, Basseterre, St. Kitts and Nevis. Hmm. Uh, This tiny Caribbean nation has an extremely high proportion of murders relative to its (laughs) tiny population. The island is also full of glorious beaches, so there is no need to avoid the country as a whole. Just take care if you decide uh, you have to check out its capital city. <laughs> number nine. At number nine. Oh, my God, I've, I've been here. You? At number nine, it's Tunis in Tunisia. Oh, uh, Tunisia is generally considered to be one of the more stable countries in North Africa and the Middle East. But a terrorist attack on a museum in March this year, which killed 19 people, would have done nothing to help the country's tourist industry. The FCO advises people to seek the latest advice on security in the country before travelling to Tunisia. At number eight. At number eight, it's Tel Aviv. (laughs) The ongoing conflict between Israel and Palestine can make Israel a dangerous place to be. A knife attack on January the 21st left uh, or 21st left 12 people wounded in Tel Aviv and in other parts of the country where there have been attacks on buses and rockets being fired into the country from Gaza. A knife attack with <laughs> involving 12 people. 
No, no, I'm definitely not flying there. No, indeed. Uh, number seven. At number seven, another popular destination for the people in the UK, Sharm el Sheikh in Egypt. Mm. Although 900,000 British nationals visit Egypt every year and most visits are trouble free, there is considered to be a heightened threat of terrorism attacks in the country. Ansar Beit al-Makdis, ABM, are the most active terrorist group in Egypt and in November 2014 announced they had pledged allegiance to ISIS. Oh, great. God, blimey. Mm. See, now, I've I've recently been to Sharm el-Sheikh and I have to say, if you're actually in Sharm el-Sheikh itself, it isn't anywhere. I mean, there's security everywhere. Like like but nothing. Do, I've but ever do you seen. go on holiday to be surrounded by security all the time? Well, I mean, the the hotel that we were in was essentially had everything that you could ever possibly want mm. in the one place. And we did do we did do one trip, and we decided that it wasn't worth it. You know, I mean, mm. we we went on it, but yeah. actually, we were having a much night because the beach was glorious and and all <laughs> this kind of thing. So actually, yeah, once once you get to your hotel and stuff, it it was it was really really nice. Anyway, slightly unexpected in at number six. Unexpected, yes. Uh, Las Vegas, USA. You aren't likely to be kidnapped or the victim of a terrorism attack in Sin City, but it can still be a pretty dangerous place if you don't have your wits about you. It is considered uh, one of America's most dangerous cities. And in 2010, three of its neighbourhoods were ranked among the 10 most dangerous in the country. (laughs) Murder rates are also high, although other cities such as Detroit and St. Louis are considered even more dangerous. My best friend has just come back from there. And to be brutally honest with you, knowing what he's like when he's had a beer or two... I'm not. I'm very surprised he wasn't stabbed. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> Number five. Number five. It's Kiev in the Ukraine. Mm, I've had a Kiev... chicken one of those. Very nice. Oh yes. Oh, very good. <laughs> Though Kiev itself is generally considered uh, safe, the FCO still advises visitors to be vigilant due to the ongoing civil war in the east of the country. Since the Russian it's annexation of yes. Crimea in 2014, there has been constant fighting between Ukrainian armed forces and Russian-backed separatists. Hmm. Next number one. four. At number four, Tripoli in Libya. Oh, yeah. African Airlines flies to the Libyan capital, but certainly isn't a safe place to be considering for an explore. Libya has been left an unstable mess since Colonel Gaddafi was overthrown in 2011. ISIS are present in much of the country and the FCO advises against all travel to Libya (laughs) due to the ongoing threat um, of terrorism attacks and kidnapping of foreigners. Oh, how delightful. And number three. Number three, it's Algiers in Algeria. British Airways fly to the Algerian capital, but we won't be putting uh, Algeria on our must-visit list anytime soon. Terrorism is prevalent in the country, and while it is considered generally safe to move around Algiers, the Foreign uh, and Commonwealth Office advises that frequent demonstrators make Algeria a dangerous place. Number two. Number two, it's Kingston in Jamaica. Beautiful Jamaica with its stunning beaches is on many travellers' wish lists. Mm. But take care if you visit the country's capital, which British Airways and Virgin Atlantic both fly to. It's among the 30 cities in the world with the worst murder rates and our high levels of crime and violence in general. That's a real shame because I've always wanted to go to Jamaica. Mm. Uh, Anyway, finally, at number one. At number one then... 
it is Baghdad mm. in Iraq. How lovely. Iraqi Airways flies direct to Baghdad, but we wouldn't advise you to swap a week on the Mediterranean for a holiday in the capital of war-torn Iraq just yet. Although ISIS are not in control of the city, they are in control of a huge swathes of the rest of the country. And while Baghdad itself is said to have become safer in recent years, suicide bombings are sadly still common. Wow. And there we go. That was, that was a rather interesting rundown of the 10 most dangerous places in the world you can fly from, from Gatwick Airport. I'm feeling a bit depressed now i've got to be honest <laughs> uh, we'll we'll find a more happier uh, top yes, 10 for next great week. we're yeah, moving definitely. on to the military stories now that'll cheer me up no end <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so uh me and matt are gonna uh mm. put the kettle on yes and uh, have a biscuit or three and uh, we're going to come back to you after this aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines well not anymore I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> and we're back. Fully fueled, indeed, with tea and biscuits. Ah, tea, lovely, lovely, jubbly. <laughs> so we have got some, we have got some uh, military Thank you, news. Boy, yes, yeah, I know. We have got some military news uh, this week. Uh, Pip uh, has uh, he's having a break. <gasps> he's been very busy. And what, who what being this? On the, he's, he was on the show. Bless him. He we, was. We, yes, we're giving yes. him, we're giving him a break this week, but he's got a segment to um, to bring us on the next show. Yes. So we have got some military news. We've got uh, a bit of air show news and some updates on uh, a couple of the air shows that are happening this weekend. Uh-huh. And we've also got some listener feedback, oh. which is always good. Indeed. So we are going to move on then with our rundown of some military news. So if you're ready, Matt. I am. Let's go. Distinguished. It is very much. That's so. why I'm going grey. <laughs> so we are here then with our <laughs> with our military news That's segment. I've lost the plot. He <laughs> has. He's lost a will to live. So first uh, news story then, kicking off on Flight Global mm. and UK urge to acquire new maritime patrol aircraft is the uh, headline. With only a few months to go before the results of the latest strategic defence and security review. 
um, SS or SDSR will be announced that the UK government is facing fresh calls to reinstate its military lapsed maritime patrol aircraft capability. Responding to questions in the House of Lords on the 4th of June, Minister of State Earl Howe said the forthcoming SDSR is the right point to look at again at the requirement for a maritime patrol aircraft. Two and a half uh, or two and a half year study has already been conducted, which he says allowed the Ministry of Defence to understand better the nature of the platforms in existence, as well as the time frame in which novel technologies are likely to mature. Around 30 personnel from the UK's earlier British Aerospace Nimrod MR2 community are maintaining their skills via a project called Seedcorn, mm-hmm. um, with four allied nations, which is intending to reduce the time and risks associated with the regeneration and capability, he adds. Likely candidates for a new maritime patrol aircraft, uh, which include Airbus C-295 and Boeing 737-based P-8, and refurbished Lockheed Martin C-130J tactical transports. Lord MP of uh, the Ulster Unionist Party uh, describes the question of whether to re-establish such a capability as being a no-brainer. This, he says, is due to the need to protect the UK sea, sea lanes against an increasingly aggressive Russian naval force and also to ensure that it has the adequate protection for its submarine-based nuclear deterrent. But Lord West of Spithead, a former um, first sea lord of the Royal Navy, cautions that if we are going to provide this capability, what capabilities are going to be removed because there is just not enough money to do the things we need to do. The UK has been without a dedicated maritime patrol aircraft capability since the Royal Air Force retired its last Nimrod MR2s in 2010. Their planned replacement, BAE Systems Nimrod MRA4, was cancelled in an SDSR later the same year. So, it, you know, I, I didn't realise we didn't have anything at all. Mm. Um, we, you know, we haven't got anything at all. No, um, we've got is, an aircraft carrier, but no aircraft. No aircraft. It. It's uh. just bizarre. Um, but, I mean, we've covered the Airbus C295, I think, mm. on previous shows. You know, it's a capable aircraft, as long as well as the uh, 737P8 as well, which I've seen at a uh, few air yeah, shows. So, I, I mean, in an ideal world, we wouldn't need any of these things, would we? Um, and we could all just get along, you know, get along with our lives and... Yeah, all I that kind of thing. That... But I keep, it, what, what's interesting is, you know, every time you read any of these stories, the word Russian <laughs> is an awful lot, whether it be, you know, unim, you know, unwelcome visitors into aerospace. We've got a or, story on that coming soon. Oh, have we? Oh, <laughs> oh dear. But, you uh, know, it is, it is one of those things, isn't it? And it's, you know, I don't know what they're up to. They're obviously up to something, mm. you know, whether they're just pushing their luck to see who pulls the trigger first so that they can mm. spit all their dummies out and stuff. But, um, you know, we do, we, we do need something. something. And I yeah. appreciate that, you know, we are poor. Uh, I get that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, uh, we are a small island and we need protecting. Yes. Because we are great. Britain. Indeed. Indeed. Very good. Ooh, there's, there's, I know. there's a new slogan. I know. Anyway, uh, on to the next story, um, hopefully. Yes, uh, this is Flight Global again. And the headline is Kuwait seeking 24H225M uh, 
carousel helicopters. Kuwait is lining up a purchase of 24 Airbus helicopters H225M carousels with a deal to be signed as soon as possible. The acquisition of the 11-ton class rotorcraft was discussed today during a telephone call between French President Francois Hollande and uh, and Imar of Ku- Kuwait uh, Sheikh Sabah al-Ahmad uh, al Abba al Saba, according to a statement <laughs> posted on the French president's official website. The statement said the contract for the Turbo Mecca Makila 22A1 powered helicopters will be signed as soon as possible between French Defence Minister Jean-Yves de Le Drin and his Kuwait counterpart Sikh Khaled Al Jara Al Saba. Well done. That uh, was round of applause. <laughs> I need to lie down, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to lie. Uh, if the contract is finalised, it would mark further success for the French-built rotorcraft, which recently was selected by Poland for its 50-unit requirement. I've just um, just been looking on here at mm. these at these helicopters, the H225M. Yes. And uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, on Airbus's website. If you go on their website, mm. you can loads and loads of details on these are um, multi-role helicopters, um, which can uh, can do quite a bit. You just knocking your. I am. I'm knocking the mic. He's destroying over everything. He's destroying everything. <laughs> um, they can do search and rescue stuff, medevac mm. stuff. Um, wow. And obviously, uh, tra- they can have. Um, and it's not carousel, is it? It's caracal. Ca- caracal. My apologies, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Caracal. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, yeah, a really good helicopter. Mm, yeah. Um, well, and good news for French, avi- French aviation, isn't it? I mean, it's proving to be a popular aircraft. If if uh, um, Poland have got a back order of fifty, and units someone already. as far away as Kuwait, mm. who who you know who are seeking these helicopters, mm. which is really good. It is. It's plenty um, of plenty of work for us mm. uh, European type chaps. Good, good. Next story, then moving on, uh, flight global again. And um, analysis, the headline, Airbus looks to recover from the A400M tragedy. Obviously, the uh, the crash um, at Le Bourgeau um, with the, the A400M a few weeks ago, mm. we covered that. Uh, just weeks into 2015, Airbus Chief Group Executive Tom Enders took the highly unusual step of publicly apologising to the UK military customer uh, during a company-run New Year's event in London for delays in the 400M uh, tactical transport. These are delays they had initially right. when, um, when this aircraft first came off the production up. line. Yeah. Uh, as expected, Enders promised a, m- a management of organisation consequences linked to the A400M's problems that didn't take long to take shape. On January the 29th, they announced that the head of the, the company's military aircraft division Domingo Urena Reza was to leave his post. Just over one month later, Fernando Alonso stepped into the role from that of Airbus's head of flight test operations. Um, the story, I mean, the, the basically the, the gist of the story, I think, is that uh, Airbus are, are trying to sort of put things back on track mm. after the yeah. crash. Um, yeah. You know, with the, the delays they had initially with the project, mm. um, which uh, contributed to a caught a $614 million change in the program mm. uh, last year. Um, and obviously with this crash in Seville, yeah. uh, or sorry, not in Seville, in um, in, in France, mm. um, and their production line being in Spain, mm. um, they're trying to, I think, uh, promote the aircraft as, as being, you know, 
Well, it is. It's a fantastic. It's, mm. it's a really great aircraft. I mean, some some people may remember me me saying um, a few weeks ago when when the crash crash happened that um, there were sort of rumours flying around on the internet, and uh, the B- BBC Click actually has has uh, gone forward. Uh, and made a sort of like a, a formal, you know, sort of proper news report, which is why I can mention it for the first time. But they reckoned that uh, uh, the problems with these engines were that f- uh, data files were missing on the uh, mm. on on the, the the data side of things for the for the particular aircraft. Files had been accidentally wiped, um, or were missing, whether it be corrupt or otherwise. And that was the reason why the aircraft came down. As I say, no official report has been released yeah. yet, but uh, uh, as I say, uh, go to the BBC Click website. Uh, we put a link onto it uh, on our Facebook. If you look through our, our Facebook page, you'll you'll see a link to that uh, uh, that we put up a couple of days ago. Uh, in an update sent to its customers on the mm. 2nd of June, Airbus said the crash was preceded by power setting problems affecting three of the aircraft's engines. Yes. Uh, preliminary analysis of its flight data and cockpit recorders uh, by the Spanish military CTAM safety agency have shown that all other aircraft systems perform normally. Mm. Um, I mean, they're obviously still investigating this uh, mm. this, yeah. this crash. It's an ongoing thing. It sounds like it was um, an anomaly uh, to a specific aircraft rather than the entire fleet, essentially, mm. which, uh, you know, is good news, I suppose. It's, like I said, it's, it, I think it's going to be a popular aircraft. It, mm. It's had a, it's, yeah. this slight, you know, problem with the crash and that, and yeah. terrible crash. And um, Yes. But I think it'll it'll pull through. Yes. It's one of those. Yes. Well, as you say, and, and there's obviously something in it because so many, so many um, air forces are, are taking it on. Oh, so yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's uh, it's far from dead, I think, is the... Is uh, the thing anyway? Next website is uh, Royal Air Force, and uh, the headline is RAF tof- Typhoons make two separate intercepts of Russian aircraft on one sortie. Here we go again. Uh, RAF Typhoons made a two-in-one interception launching to find and identify Russian aircraft in two different places over the Baltic Sea as part of the NATO um, Baltic uh, air policing mission for Estonia, Latvia, and uh, Lithuania. A pair of typhoons were scrambled this morning, um, which was, I say this morning, when was it? On the 10th of June, sorry. Yeah, so um, a few days ago. Yes, indeed. So a pair of typhoons were scrambled on the 10th of June from Amari Air Base in Estonia to intercept an unknown aircraft tracking the Baltic airspace without having filed a flight plan. Having identified it as an, is it is it an II-20? Illusion 20M. Illusion dash 20M coot a surveillance aircraft they were then retasked whilst still airborne to check out another aircraft uh, it was seen to be uh, an an 26 curl transport aircraft going north from uh, kaliningrad these two intercepts resulted from close teamwork between the estonian air force and the raf surveillance and control system de- um, detachment at amari uh, asac's uh, Detachment Commander Flight Lieutenant Paul Griff- Griffin uh, explained the Estonian controllers will have seen it on their picture. They evaluate speed, heading, height and whether it has a flight plan. They give it an appropriate ID coloured according uh, to their assessment and its intent. We saw this one show up uh, in a sea of green. He continued, my job as the 121 EAW representative is to provide input to NATO's Combined Air Operations Centre at Udim in Germany. It's also like a bidding process until ev- uh, uh, every unit identifies what they can do. In this case, the Typhoon 
typhoons were given a yes and one of the Estonians hit the scramble button. As our aircraft get in the air, uh, it is my job to vector them on, steering them left, right, faster, slower to get them behind the unknown aircraft. Sergeant uh, Chris Ashcroft of the ASACS to put, um, detachment takes up the story. My part is to generate the air picture so that it can be seen in the cockpit to increase the situational awareness of the Typhoon pilots. It takes... A bit of training to ensure that they have the right footprint visible. Interception of two aircraft on the same sortie demonstrates the flexible capability of the RAF typhoons in policing Baltic airspace and making it safer for civilian air traffic. Detachment Commander Wing Commander Stu Smiley said, As we enter our second month of policing Baltic airspace, this is the fourth intercept uh, tasking we have had. It is much as expected. Today's double intercept easily demonstrates the capability we have um, to bring on the mission. Flight uh, Lieutenant Griffin simply summed it up: "It's a bit of a, it's a bit of, a, it's a bit like waiting for a bus. You wait so long, and then two turn up at once. But we are trained to do that." Hmm. I was what, just looking up the. Um, what are they doing? I know the Russian. Oh, the the Aleutian Twenty M <clears throat> is uh, an updated version of the Aleutian Eighteen, which yeah. is a four-engine turboprop yeah. um, airliner. First mm-hmm. flew in nineteen fifty-seven. Gosh. Um, the Russians have built over 850 of these. Gosh. And there's still a few in service. Mm. And as you said in the story, the NATO reporting name is Coot. Mm-hmm. Uh, um And these aircraft are a kind of, um, well, they're kind of a, a sort of look and see what everyone else is mm. doing type aircraft. One of those um, sort of um, reconnaissance type aircraft. Mm. Um and, well, as we can see from here, our forces have gone up, mm. um, as they have done in the past plenty of times. And um, I don't know. I think the Russians are just kind of... Um, they're just, well, they're flirting with us a po- bit, aren't they? Po- I think po- that's what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm. To, I don't what, think it's to what any, end? That's the worry. I, I, I don't think, think there's anything bad going to come of it, really. But, you know, it's... Um, yeah, I, but they're, they're obviously doing it to provoke, aren't they? Mm. You know? Just like, oh no, I'm so t-. but like was it four 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 um four in two months something like that? It has, um, it has been a few, yeah. It's um and you've just cancelled the story that oh, you're supposed to be reading. <laughs> oh, have I just cancelled? Oh, <laughs> oh, sorry. That's right. I'll get that back up. Yes. Continue. Continue. Okay. All right then. Well, I I should do the I shall I do the next story? Yeah, you then, do while the next you story. Do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this is Flight Global, and the uh, the story is Crossblade adds cargo drop capability to Sky Prowler UAV. Crossblade Aerospace has added a cargo drop capability to its Sky Prowler unmanned air vehicle, further increasing its potential use for parcel delivery applications. Using a switchable technique, the vertical takeoff and landing aircraft converts into a fixed-wing platform mid-flight before before becoming road-able when it lands. A capability that the company told Flight Global in November would lend itself to the delivery market. We have since developed an enlarged cargo compartment and an automated cargo drop door module, allowing cargo to be dropped in flight, whether in hover or in full speed winged winged cruise flight, uh, if necessary, said the chief executive Dan Lubrick. 
This, he adds, would allow for emergency medical equipment to be delivered to patients that are in need of a treatment for ailments such as allergic reactions, or it could deliver emergency supplies to those trapped in remote areas. In addition, non-critical deliveries could be made using this method. The configuration of the aircraft has not changed in uh, to incorporate the cargo door as the space for it was designed uh, uh, in the start. Uh, Lubric has said. Uh, Crossblade has previously said that the delivery market was a target once airspace regulations are lifted. This new capability has been tested, Lubric adds, and the company is in discussions with the US Federal Aviation Administration regarding potential certification. Skyprowler has been the focus of a Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign and manufacturing is due to begin in July with the first deliveries planned for the end of the year. Crossblade is also developing a manned derivative of the Sky Prowler, the Sky Cruiser five-seater aircraft that also incorporates the switchblade design. It will begin building a prototype at the end of 2015 ahead of flight testing in 2016 and expects the aircraft to be certificated three years after that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, a an odd-looking aircraft, I think it's safe to say. Well, um, I've, I've just been looking on on uh, on the old good old interweb. Mm. Uh-huh. And uh, it's it's, re- it's it's mega. Honestly, if you get a chance, go to uh, crossblade.com, cross spelled K-R-O-S-S, yeah. crossblade.com. And uh, you can read up all the all the bits and pieces on, on this mm. UAV. And it's, 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 a, it's amazing what it can do. It, it's Sky Prowler is a vertical takeoff and Ooh. landing drone um, using the same switchblade transformation. So the, 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 the wings come out from uh, atop. A Mm-hmm. Um, with the propellers on, and it can t- yeah. turn in from, a, from an aircraft into yeah. a helicopter. It's wow, really, it's amazing! How very cool. Um, it's got uh, it's got low it's got loads of stuff it can do, like obviously the cargo drop, which you mm. just said. Um, it's got an eye cam on the nose cone with mm. um, a 4K upgradable um, eye camera. As you do, um, and you can control it from obviously from a controller as mm. an unmanned vehicle. But as you said, they're also looking at configuring it to uh, be a um, a passenger carrying five really? people on this. Um, um, it's electric power generation. Um, it's got an electric powered um, motor as well uh, with a 12 kilowatt high discharge battery on board. Right. It's got four 80 horsepower electric motors yes. to lift the heli- uh, yeah, the UAV up. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the range? The range. I'm just getting down to that bit. Let's have a look. Here we go. Range is with according. I mean, obviously, this is still in production. Yeah, We're still yeah, testing yeah, yeah. this. Um, but the range with five passengers on the um, passenger um, um, version yeah. of this UAV, which is in the pipeline, which is in the pipeline, is a thousand and six miles or sixteen hundred and twenty kilometers on one charge. On one charge, apparently so. Good. Um, That's incredible. It has a. Um, a uh, maximum takeoff weight of one thousand five hundred and seventy-five kilograms. That's very good. Um, just for for those playing geeks out there, has a stall speed of one hundred and sixty <laughs> kilometers an hour, which is one hundred miles per hour. Mm. Cruise speed of three hundred and fourteen miles an hour. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's it's you, you've got to go on the website to appreciate mm. it. It's loads of technical data yeah, and photos and stuff. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it looks, yeah, even really even does. in the uh, UAV form as opposed to the passenger form, it looks mm. really good. 
so uh, an aircraft to watch out for. So yeah, yeah that's uh, you heard it here have, here first, folks. Yes. It's the Crossblade Sky Prowler, indeed. So last story then on the Royal Air Force site and uh, tornadoes in Arctic Challenge. The Royal Air Force personnel have been participating in one of Europe's largest air power exercises involving nearly 100 aircraft and 4,000 personnel from nine nations. Situa- uh, situated in- on the Norwegian coast inside the Arctic Circle, Bodo Air Base has been temporary home to eight RAF Tornado GR4s deployed from both RAF Lossiemouth and RAF Marham. The Multinational Training Arctic Challenge 15, or ACE 15, has been hosted by the Nordic Partnership for Peace, or PFP, nations of Norway, Sweden and Finland. Participating in the exercise was squadron leader Mike Garland from uh, the uh, 7 Squadron, uh, based at RAF Marham. I think that's right, 7 Squadron. <laughs> Probably got that wrong. It's the Roman numerals thing, you see. Ah, tripping uh, you up, yes. It's very difficult when we're training in the UK, he said, to work with so many different partners, such as large number of aircraft, to come to an exercise such as this gives us a great opportunity to work with many different types of aircraft to try and overcome some of the language barriers and gain some valuable training in large package operations. Once airborne from their Norwegian base, the tornadoes were refueled by RAF Voyager aircraft, or the A330 MRT, uh-huh. Uh, flying 2,500-mile round trips directly from RF Bryce Norton. Uh, this vastly extended and increased the range and endurance and payloads of jets as they refuelled. To add to realism to the training, the multinational formations of aircraft met aggressor aircraft who attempted to disrupt, uh, disrupt and shoot down their attackers. These as included a quartet of Hawk T-1 aircraft from uh, Hundred Squadron, detached to Lulia Air Base in Sweden, as Squadron Leader James Porges explained. Hundred Squadron provides a professional aggressor force uh, trained to simulate potential adversaries, systems and tactics, which ensure that all blue forces, or the good guys, mm-hmm. UK, Swedish, <laughs> Norwegian, German and Italian, receive the most realistic live airborne training possible. The flexibility and versatility of 100 Squadron also enables exercise participants to conduct additional dissimilar air combat and close air support training. While the main mission is the planning phase, maximizing the opportunity for international cooperation and training. Two training missions were flown each day, during, including weapon delivery against ground, combating simulated anti-air artillery, low-level flying air-to-air refueling, and um, as the exercise developed, the complexity of these sorties increased, ensuring both aircrew and fighter controllers gained experience of employing different aircraft from different nations, squadron leader Garland added. This is quite this is another one of those huge operations, isn't it? Mm. Where the um all these different forces all get together. Yeah. Um this this one being like NATO, you know, the forces and mm. stuff together and stuff. But I mean we've worked with the um with the US guys and, and Australians before, haven't we? And mm. uh, you know, with different um, sort of scenarios and stuff it's, I think it's great when we all get together yes. all friends we're yeah, all friends yeah. if we were all friends then then there wouldn't be need no, for it be, oh, but you know. Know. <laughs> I know but uh, there are always sort of very bad people so moving on then uh, on to the next part of this show we've got mm-hmm. some air show news uh-huh. um, we've got a couple of updates uh, which were sent in actually this morning uh, whilst we've been recording from Jonathan Warner mm. And um, he has uh, just commented here. I think he's off to a couple of the air shows 
um, at um, in was it Biggin Hill, I think, Cosford this weekend. Yes. Yeah, yeah, thirteenth. Um, and he's just saying that the Polish um, MIG is cancelled at Cosford due to the whole Polish fleet being grounded. Oh. And also for Cosford, the German P3 had to cancel, as did Ramex Delta, uh, the latter being due to th- uh, thunderstorm, thunderstorms, oh, lightning right. storms over France. So oh. they couldn't get out. Uh, but thanks for that, uh, Jonathan. I hope mm. you enjoy the air shows uh, this weekend. So, yeah, Indeed. this weekend we've got um, we've got Biggin Hill Festival of Flight, yep. which is happening today at Biggin Hill. Tomorrow is the RAF Cosford Air Show in Shropshire, mm-hmm. um, which is another huge air show. Mm. Um, moving towards the middle of the month, there's the Red Hill <laughs> Aviation Festival. Yep. Thank you, Mr. Postman. You bought my mail. <laughs> the Red Hill Aviation uh, Festival at Red Hill Aerodrome in Surrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the 20th, we've got... Uh, yes, that's the Shuttleworth uh, Edwardian Picnic Evening. Uh, that's the one you... Uh, that, that sounds so nice. I know, it does. It? The I Shuttleworth know. Edwardian Picnic Evening Air Show. It's uh, Old Warden. I, I feel obliged to speak in, 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 one's, in one's tone, really. Well, we are drinking is, tea, aren't well, we? Well, exactly, quite right. Yes, it's the Old Warden Bedfordshire Satnav SG189EP. Uh, today's event celebrates 50 years of the film Those Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines. Oh, good and, film. Oh, I've never actually seen it. It's gross. Oh, oh, yeah, you've got to get it, yeah. Uh, a number of our aircraft and vehicles starred in the fun and the ever-popular film, and this is your chance to see them live in action. Soak up the elegant Edwardian atmosphere while the aeroplanes fly over and the vehicles parade by. Weather permitting, you'll also see our own mag- magnificent pilots flying our Edwardian aircraft. It's very exciting. I must admit that the names don't mean... Hopefully, is there any there that really jump out at you? I must have, must be honest, they're not overly familiar to me. <laughs> well, obviously, you got the Battle of a Bit Memorial flight with the Douglas ah, yes. Dakota. Oh, of course, yes. Um, which, and also got the uh, De Havilland Tiger Moth, mm-hmm. um, which is another awesome um, aircraft to see. Sopwith Pup. Yeah. I love those ones, the old props and that mm. brilliant aircraft. Um, there's also the English Electric Wren is going to be there as well. Bristol uh, F2B Fighter. Mm-hmm. And the... Blackburn Type D monoplane. That'll be a good one to see there as well. Moving on, yeah, moving on. Yeah, so the next one we've got uh, 20, 20th and 21st, you've got the Western Air Festival. Uh, that's obviously in Western Supermare. Uh, Red Arrows are uh, appearing there, so that's uh, that's always good. good, good. Uh, another another Battle of Britain Memorial flight. I think you're going to see that at most aviation yeah. shows, yeah. I think, yeah. this year, aren't you? Uh, 20th and 21st also, you've got the Air Britain Vintage and Classic Aircraft Fly-In. That's in North Weald uh, in Essex. Uh, Flywheel Festival, that's also on the 20th and 21st. It's a busy weekend, that one, isn't it? Um, and that's at uh, uh, in o- Oxfordshire. Uh, 21st also you've got the Wellborn Wings and Wheels uh, show. Unfortunately, the Essex Military Festival, that has now officially been cancelled, which should have been for the same weekend. Um, 25th to the 28th, you've got the Festival of Speed at good old glorious Goodwood. Goodwood. Yes. Mm. I've never been. I really, I really should do that at some point. Um, I know people that have gone, but you've got, you've got the good old Spitfire that's appearing there. That's mm. going to be great. Red Arrows also. Uh, and Eurofighter Ty, the, the Eurofighter Typhoons, the FGR4s, they're also going to be. And of course, the Battle of Britain Memorial fight, Flight. Mm. Um, just trying to think. 27th, uh, you've got the National Armed Forces Day. That's at Guildford in Surrey. 
Um, Red arrows, obviously, again, uh, not uh, not many. Um, not the details not released yet for that one. You've so got much. the RAF Falcons there, yeah. the parachute display team mm. at the National yeah. Armed Forces yeah. Day. And I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a lot more there, but nothing um, nothing been uh, officially released as yet. Obviously, 27th. Uh, um, also, there's the Armed Forces Day in Lowestoft of all places, just wow, up the road from that's us. Just up the road from uh, us, indeed. Yes, full act, full day of activities on the Royal Green Air Displays, Veterans Associations, military vehicles, service related entertainment, marching bands. We will also be holding a drumhead service. What's a drumhead service? Uh, uh, I don't know. Right, bang on the head with the drum. possibly yes, that is, indeed. and then uh, finally for June we've got twenty eighth. That's the Northeast Lincolnshire Armed Forces Day, as well. That seafront on, on that one, yeah, in yeah. Cleethorpes. Um, so yes, it's a busy old month. Uh, next week we'll cover July in great detail. Yes, we will. So we've got a few messages. We did have an email yep. um, today before yes. we before we start recording. Indeed, uh, yeah, we had an email from a listener, Steve Marciano, Indeed. and I hope I've pronounced your name correctly there, Steve. And uh, yeah, Steve Marciano has sent us a message. Uh, he says, "Hello, Carlos and Matt. Hope you find this. or hope this email finds you both well." which it does. We've been drinking Indeed, tea. We have, yes. Uh, he says, Carlos, hope you settled into your new home. Yes, I did. Very stressful, but we're here. Yes. Um, he's a big <laughs> fan of the show. And uh, whilst he was writing this letter, he was listening to Pip show. Uh, good, ah, old Pip. good old yes. Pip. Pip, we've found your listener. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, he, uh, uh, Steve, is a police officer for a major city on the east coast of the United States. Ooh, oh, dear. I didn't uh, realise 25 that. years of service. Good on you, yeah, Steve. Absolutely. Hats off to you. Hats yeah. off to you. And uh, he we, he was uh, sending us some feedback uh, regarding mm. our uh, last show when we were chatting about um, tracking devices. Mm. And then I think this is, I think this is a really really good idea because we were talking yeah. about um, the, the the fact that they reckon that the tracking devices obviously have been turned off on um, on the um, the MH370, yeah. wasn't it? And uh, he had a great idea, which is he said uh, basically uh, he had a thought that probably not a new one, but on your last show you were discussing ways to prevent a crew from uh, from an overwater flight. From disabling tracking devices for sinister purposes. I know it's uh, no idea is foolproof, but would placing the device in a tamper-evident container outside the aircraft, perhaps with the satellite equipment in this enclosure, mm-hmm. and then as a backup, uh, I don't think there would be uh, it would be too much of effort to inspect this area after the crew is secured in the plane. Perhaps after pushback to limit access to the the plane further. Brilliant idea, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the, 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 pot, the mm. pods, the bubbles, or whatever you want to call yeah. them, on top of the aircraft with all the satellite, yeah. you know, there's stuff for the IFE systems mm. that are already there. Yeah. I mean, to put either an extra one or incorporate into that, mm. you know, pod another. But as he says, like a, a, a tamper evident pod, mm. if you like. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. If you tampered with it or something struck it really hard, it could. Yeah. You know, a, a purple dye could go off inside it, mm. so you could easily at a glance say something isn't right. No, but, I think uh, I think that's a good idea. idea. So thanks, thanks Steve. Your, yeah. yeah, thanks Steve for your uh, for your email. Keep mm. in touch, Absolutely. and uh, thanks for listening to the show. Indeed. Definitely. Indeed. Uh, we had also a we had a couple more pictures actually from uh, you might remember Jenny um, uh, Jenny Parkinson. Uh, who uh, who had the picture wearing one of our T-shirts. She was one of the ah, competition yes, winners yes, who yes, won yes, a T-shirt. Yes. And, uh, yeah, she sent us in a few pictures, actually. I've got to put them on to our Facebook page, but she sent us some, a few pictures of her journey back because um, yes. we did say, can you take some pictures of the aircraft? Yes. And she also, <laughs> um, also sent uh, some pictures 
of um, the French Tricolori. Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it the no? The, sorry, the Italian free free. Yes, it the Italian. Sorry, pardon me. The Italian free free K Tricolori mm. uh, team. She managed to catch a picture um, on her phone when they mm. flew over her office in oh, wow. uh, Italy, which was Ooh, quite nice. Um, and they were practicing a flyover for a military parade the next day. So she sent us um, sent us that mm. uh, a few pictures there. Mm. Thank you for that. Um, she also asked pended a few. Uh, questions, um, which which uh, Matt will probably be able to see in front of him there on his um, his display. But uh, one of the questions she asked, um, uh, sent via email, was: uh, Can anyone explain why Airbus planes, uh, British Airways, and EasyJet make a kind of soaring noise when they are preparing to leave the stand and taxiing? Um, they make a sound like someone sawing wood in the hold, and no explanation is ever given. What? Um, <laughs> I think I mean, one of the one of the noises uh, that you hear, which is kind of a soaringy type noise, I suppose, is um, it. Uh, one of them is is the flaps extending, which mm. can sometimes make a right noise. I mean, you quite you often hear. get a don't you when they're adjusting the the other flaps, yeah, you know, and stuff like that, which they and also. I mean, when the uh, when they are closing cargo doors and stuff, they can mm. sometimes make a make a whirring noise. But anyone anyone else uh, listeners, any other listeners mm. with any ideas of what that soaring wood noise is mm. um, on these uh, when they're preparing to leave the stand? Uh, yeah. yeah, send us your feedback. Also, a second uh, question she's said as well: uh, traveling from Norwich Airport to Edinburgh on Flyby last March. Uh, oh dear, I am sorry. <laughs> Uh, she uh, asked uh, why they didn't have an EasyJet or Ryanair air, air, uh, at the airport, and someone at the airport told her that the runway isn't long enough. Uh-huh. Is that right? Can you find out? Well, I can assure you that mm. uh, the runway is plenty long enough for uh, for Ryanair's Boeing 737-800s and right. also air, uh, EasyJet's A319s and A320s, oh, okay. because all those types of aircraft flying to Norwich already. Right. Uh, Thompson Airways fly their 737-8 into the uh, into the airport. Mm. And I've also seen quite a lot of A319s, uh, I think I've got the airlines now, who fly into Norwich, who also, you know, the the runway is plenty long enough. Mm. Well, fly, I, a flyby go into, you know, out of there, uh, don't they? And the Dash 8s and that, yeah, yeah. the prop ones are slightly smaller. But I see your point, you know, Nor- we've always said this on the show, but Norwich does mm. need to, I mean, if Norwich had... Ryanair or EasyJet mm. flying to the airport, it would, well, it would be massive. I, I think, I mean, they, they they are trying, aren't they? I mean, they tried this, the, the, the Norwich to, to Cardiff, didn't they? But um, it didn't, um, it, it didn't sort of work really, did it? Which was a bit of a shame. It's, uh, you know, and they've had to cancel, cancel it only a couple of months, months after, which is, which is such a shame. So another one, she's put some geography points at the at the heart of uh, the podcast. You've been referring to all foreign destinations as across the pond, Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. but that's not quite right. North America is across the pond or across on the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, Australia is down under, and <gasps> continental Europe point, yes. part is is across the channel. channel yeah. You can tell I was a teacher for many years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank Jenny, you, thanks, Jenny, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, she and, is, um, of course, quite right, and we shall, oh, no. we shall do 
We shall try harder. Oh, this is like a school report, isn't it? I know. <laughs> Sorry, Jenny. Sorry. Uh, on the fourth, the fourth bit she's put on here. Uh, she has put she she really enjoys the show and also the interaction you have uh, with pilot Pip and uh, airline pilot guy and the geeks. And it's all one big happy family. Well, we we do try, don't we? Oh, I know. We do try. Yes, I know. Yes. We we all we're all a happy group together. Uh, which, is, which is why we uh, we communicate with each other so much, you see. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, thanks uh, for your email, Jenny. Indeed. Um, yeah, definitely thanks for that. Um, on Facebook, we've um, we've had uh, quite a few new likes over the over the last few Fantastic. days. Yes. Quite a lot to... Um, well, hello to Ray Davis uh, as well. One of our listeners, Ray Davis. Yeah. Hello to you and David Abbey and Paul Tricker. And uh, also Daniel Hannington, he's having a huge time on Instagram with his followers. With his photos, yeah, he's yeah. just having a massive time okay. on there. So yeah. well done to you, Tim so, Hitchcock as well. Hello to you, Tim, across the pond there, or across the sorry, in, in Australia, oh, dear. down under, <laughs> down, down under, down under. Yes. Uh, yeah, hello to you, Tim, and uh, yeah, thank, and thanks to uh, thanks to everyone really who uh, who listens, takes time out to listen to the show each week. Indeed, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, please do so. We like to hear all of your feedback, whether it be good or bad you can get in touch with in lots of ways uh, via facebook it's pla- it's uh, facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk on twitter it is twitter.com forward slash plain talking uk you can go directly to the website www.plaintalkinguk.com that's plain spelled p-l-a-n-e uh, and you can get in as i say there's a link uh, there's a link to uh, find us and contact the show on there you can get in touch directly and we've just had another message through. Have we? <laughs> yeah, oh no joking. We haven't even put this one out yet. What have we oh, done wrong no. now? <laughs> okay, so we have had a message then via Facebook from uh, Mark Harvey. Okay. Uh, Mark Harvey's been listening uh, to the show for a while now. Loves the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. Uh-huh. Uh, he said that, uh, do you think we can give a mention to uh, mention of my crowdfund or crowdfunder project for a 2016 aviation calendar. Oh, okay. And uh, we're gonna we'll put the link to this on our Facebook page. And yes. It's a 2016 aviation calendar, mm. and uh, I'm just whi- literally whipping through to the site. Hot off speak. the presses, Hot ladies the and presses. gentlemen. Yes. Uh, so it's a 2016 aviation calendar. Mm. Um, Leading edge photography aviation calendar, and there's some great photos on there. And uh, he's putting together this project for this calendar with some awesome photos and stuff. Mm. And um, if you go to if you go to www.crowdfunder.co.uk, and that's forward slash 2016 uh, aviation calendar. Um, you'll be able to see it on there. We'll put the link on our Facebook page anyway. And mm. uh, he's uh, trying to get some bits and pieces together for this calendar. You can read more information on there. This literally did just come in, this mm. message. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you, uh, Mark, for sending that. So we'll put those notes uh, on Facebook. Indeed. So there we go. That is it. I think that's it for another show. <laughs> yes, episode 64 we're going to bring to a close of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, you can catch me and Matt on Facebook. Send us mm-hmm. a message on the yep. show and uh, go to the website. As Matt said, find us on there in the Contact Us tab. Send us some messages through there. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to having some more feedback on Indeed. the show. Yeah, uh, we'll be back next week for episode 65. 65, yes. And hopefully we shall have a guest on the show next Ooh. week. 
Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers. We were hoping to have Stuart on today, being the weather mm. has been so bad. But um, yes. we'll, we'll try. He's a very busy man. He's a very busy man. Yes. So thanks for listening uh, to the episode. Uh, we really do appreciate you all listening, and uh, we'll come back to you next week again. So for me, Carlos, it's a kind of dreary and rainy very, day. Very dreary. Um, yes. Goodbye. Goodbye. And uh, from Matt, it's also goodbye. Bye.